Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I realized, like, I went into medicine because I wanted to help people, but for me too, as well as building relationships. So that's one way in which that this career has brought to me. But also seeing what my parents went through, I realized that I now could be in a position where I could give people the knowledge and the resources to never have that happen again. So I realized that I don't want anyone that I come in contact with to have to face the things in life without having the knowledge to at least make a good decision. You know, I don't think that it's anyone should have to pass off debt instead of wealth. Anyone should have to live through the, not just the financial, but the also the emotional troubles of someone passing away. So yeah, I feel like in many different ways, like God kind of made me go through those things to give me perspective into what I do today. And that's something I carry on with the clients I work with. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got Kofi Thompson in the building with me today, all the way in from Richmond, Virginia. Kofi, how are you, sir? I am living my best life right now. I feel like I'm just I'm living in purpose. And living on purpose, we'll have to dig into that. We do things unconventionally here, man. How can the listeners get in contact with you? They're going to love your journey. So let's give them the info up front. Yeah, absolutely. So feel free to uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Kofi Thompson there. Uh, Check out my website, koficthompson.nm.com, Instagram at Kofi the Creator, and uh, Kofi Thompson on Facebook as well. So feel free. I love connecting. I'm on all the social channels. I got the web going. I got this whole internet thing happening. So (laughs) people are like, Kofi, what's a Kofi? So the name's uncommon, brother. Let's talk a little bit about your origin story. Who are you? Like, where'd you get started? And we'll dig into, we'll unpack this thing because you've got some really good twists and turns on your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I, 
you know, my journey starts when I was growing up in my household. Um, things were difficult for me in my childhood. Both of my parents had mental illnesses. My dad had bipolar. My mom had schizophrenia. And it was just extremely tough growing up. There was always just abuse going on, them getting in fights, emotional abuse, a lot of arguments. I used to just remember biggest thing is like seeing my mom get dragged down to the floor and cops arresting her because of some fight that my parents had. And I continued on into high school. And at that point, I, I started to just like have a little bit more awareness about what was going on. So I started to try and, you know, actively escape out of the environment that I was in and uh, didn't do it right at all. Like I, I started hanging out with people, not the right people. I started drinking, started you know, doing drugs, doing all the things just to escape from the environment that I lived in. And it was like just the only option that I saw. I didn't really have any other options. So that's just what I, how I coped. And then moving on, I, at 18, I was applying to colleges and all these things. I didn't think I could get in anywhere. didn't have the finances to at all. So I just moved out of my house, started working, started really just like kind of living on my own. And the bad habits just continued after that. It just didn't really, I didn't really go anywhere for like three, four years after I left my house at 18 until I had a, a huge moment. I always say that this was the punch in the face that God knew I needed, but I ended up getting jumped when I was 21, trying to protect a friend. And I got hit in the back of the jaw, two titanium plates put in my jaw, about $80,000 of surgery, which I didn't, when I saw that bill, I had no idea what I was going to do. And six weeks of having my jaw recovered. During that time, I really stopped living in the past and started living for the future. I think the whole period for that before then, I was just, you know, feeling sorry for myself. I had a victim mindset. I was like, oh my gosh, none of the things went right. And then that happened and it actually gave me time to reflect and one of the biggest impacts is I read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in his book, he says, begin with the end in mind. And that's what I actually started to do. I started to think, all right, what type of future do I want? What type of future do I want to build? Do I want a family? Do I want you know, to have a great life and a great community? And I was like, okay, I do want those things. What I'm doing is not getting me there. I need to change it up. You know, Einstein says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So if I just kept doing the same thing, <laughs> nothing's going to change. So I started reading a lot more, started getting a lot more into like personal development. The road was still bumpy. Then after that, like I really didn't have much in towards like finances. I was still pretty broke. I was still, you know, going in and out of my good habits. And I remember at one point I was like, I was coming up to the end of a lease. I was in a position where like, it was just hard to put food on the table. I would go to Kroger, buy a pizza, eat half it and return it. Just kind of didn't have the money to afford the whole pizza. Like, and like, I was just life for me at that point, just living in scarcity. I continued on. I eventually got back into school, started to just really, again, just get by as much as I could. Then I started to pursue what my childhood dream was of becoming a doctor. So I went to school and actually started doing pretty well. I uh, got scholarships to pay for college. I was so excited about that and really just started to live and try to just do the best I could. 
Um, and that led me up until like 23, 24. Then I had a huge, another like life-changing shift. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that, wow, that completely shifted my mindset of where I want to be in the future. And so I decided to pursue entrepreneurship. That actually first started off, I was actually pursuing getting a real estate agent's license. Then I feel like as God's plan, I came upon financial advising. And so I've been a financial advisor since 2019. And yeah, I'm truly just living my purpose now. So it's interesting. You, you consider advising your purpose. So did you grow up wealthy or like how, how does being a financial advisor align with being your purpose? Yeah, great question. So I did not grow up wealthy at all. Like lived in like a one parent household of a single income. I remember like roaches in my cereal, all that stuff. Like I, we had bed bugs. Like I, it was, we just didn't have finances for really anything. Like I started working pretty early just so I could like go out with my friends. So money was never something I like I really even thought of, like, I I just, I didn't know how it worked. Never really heard of investing until like around like 21, 22. Like this was completely just out of my field of view, but I saw the impact of it before I even knew what it really was. Like I saw my parents not have any finances at all. I saw my parents, unfortunately, this was about a couple months when I was in my practice my father got really sick and actually passed away from esophageal cancer. And I saw the impact of like not having a plan, not having life insurance, no estate planning, not doing any of these things. And I realized like I went into medicine because I wanted to help people, but for me too, as well as building relationships. So that's one way in which that this career has brought to me, but also seeing what my parents went through. I realized that I now could be in a position where I could give people the knowledge and the resources to never have that happen again. So I realized that I don't want anyone that I come in contact with to have to face the things in life without having the knowledge to at least make a good decision. You know, I don't think that it's anyone should have to pass off debt instead of wealth. Anyone should have to live through the not just the financial, but the also the emotional troubles of something passing away. So, yeah, I feel like in many different ways, like God kind of made me go through those things to give me perspective into what I do today, and that's something I carry on with the clients I work with. Now, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta drop the bomb, brother, because you said nobody should pass on debt instead of wealth. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah. So, you know, what I realize is that when it comes down to, you know, finances in life, they obviously don't produce happiness, but they produce options. They produce the options to allow us to go send our children to school, go provide necessary health care for the people they care about, make a change in the community. And in so many different communities that are underserved, We just continue living in this like perpetuation of just passing off debt and just living in this like repetitive cycle of passing off debt. And for me, it's like, all right, if I see it as I'm going to live, you know, a life, hopefully a long life, but I want the people around me, especially people I care about to be in a better position for me being there. 
not to say that, you know, when I pass away, people are going to have to worry emotionally, but they shouldn't have to worry financially. I want to be able to send that I love you check. And I know that so many people truly care about the people that are around them, but oftentimes just don't think about, all right, what happens if I'm not there? Okay. So you're saying if a parent dies and they're not in great financial standing, then their children can inherit their debt? Is that what you A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are expenses that come off when you, when you pass away. There's also more than anything else, like the mindset that passes off as well, too. Okay. Like, so let's go there, right? Because yeah. I, I think people can wrap their head around the fact that, you know, somebody's got to pay for the final expenses of a person mm-hmm. being laid to rest. And, you know, if your net worth is $3,000 and a funeral costs 25000 you know, there's somebody's got to figure out how to pay that because the funeral home's not going to do it for free. I can guarantee yeah. you that. My family's been in the funeral business for a while. So yeah, we, yeah. So, but you're saying there's a mindset situation Mm -hmm. too. And you mentioned rich dad, poor dad. So, I mean, help me go down this path. Like what is kind of poverty mindset or, you know, what is wealth mindset? However you want to characterize it. So listeners can get a hold of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, because I had to break out of this, it was it starts in the scarcity mindset, you know, and this was something that I in growing up, I just I lived in, <laughs> you know, we feel like there's just a lack of finances out there. There's, you know, you can't build wealth like, you know, there's no options out there. You got to, you know, get a job like you, it's just like this kind of living day by day in this reactive mindset, like, okay, I'm just going to take things as they go and not actually plan for the future or realize that there's abundance out there. There's so much and there's enough for everyone. But if like the same problems that we face today can't be solved the same way of thinking and that scarcity that, you know, for one, like I had to break out of that, I continue to have just didn't allow me to see all the opportunity that was out there as well. Like it's something that's so limited and, you know, we're not taught this stuff in school. We're not taught this, you know, depending on who you're hanging around with, like you may not be talking about it. So we just continue to do what we're doing, not seeing all the options that are out there. I feel like it comes from this like closed lens view that we can have when I transitioned to that abundance and wealth mindset, I really started to see that there's so much out there for every single person. Like it does require us to work on ourselves to really do the deep work on ourselves to improve ourselves. Like not just, you know, the shallow parts, but you know, who we are, who we want to embody our character, our values. But when I started living in this abundance mindset, I realized that there are more options and opportunities out there that I can take advantage of. Like the like wealth is really, I know this may sound weird, but it's not that hard to create. I like success leaves clues. And by falling and one of the biggest things is like, you know, seeing, you know, whether it be people that are doing the things you're doing and taking note, you don't necessarily have to like them. They don't have to be your best friend, but what are the things that they did? Right. How do they get into those positions? And 
also taking advice from the right people as well. If someone is not in the position you want to be and you're taking advice from them about that specific thing, probably, you know, not something you necessarily want to follow in that regard. So I believe the wealth mindset just really comes from seeing the world for all the opportunity that is there. Okay. 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 So you said creating wealth is not that hard. Yeah. Holy smokes. Oh yeah. And so like you're in the advisor space, you're moving around. You had a ton of success last year. I, Mm -hmm. I mean, I got to watch a lot of it and you know, I'm eating my popcorn, cheering from the stands. <laughs> I feel like I might have thrown some peanuts at some people every now and again. But it was just a really <laughs> exciting ride, especially on the end where you just kind of sprinted through the finish line. And so, you know, at, at this point, it's it's announced that you're rookie of the year for the mm-hmm. state of Virginia, for the firm that you're working with. And I mean, I, I think it's a it's a pretty stellar accomplishment and puts you in elite company. And so you said, well, I didn't have a great example of wealth, but you've been running in your purpose and helping people for the last uh, a little over 18 months now, maybe almost two years. What is, now it's two years at this point, what is the secret sauce, man? Like, how do you get in a space when you come from a, background where you don't identify as wealthy, but you're helping people protect their wealth and then create more. Yeah. So I'll say there's um, top three. I'm going to go over top three things that allowed me to be in that space and really, you know, understand that wealth is easy to create. One of them is like, I had to be coachable and unlearn what I thought I knew to learn something different that I could now apply to approach a different problem that I had no idea I could solve. And that sounds a little, I hope I said that right, but like, again, like the, the problems that we face today can be solved with the same way of thinking. And so now, you know, we face, you know, we want to face a bigger problem. How do I create wealth? All right. Let me learn new skills. Let me see how I can apply myself and see how I can grow and learn how to deliver value because I really see money as just a translation of value. Like whenever we start a business, it's really just like, like money is the representation of what you can get. All right, let me deliver value, learn how to deliver value. So then other people will then give me my, their business. (laughs) Let me learn how to improve someone's life and what they're doing, learn how to get them there faster and really understand also like, you know, personality being personable, like, cause you know, someone has to like you before they'll work with you. They have to, you know, know you care before they care what you know, but learning to work on myself enough to build the skills. And then the money comes like, it's really just a direct translation of that value. Second is, you know, again, like being coachable and being humble, like, I like, I realized like at all where I'm at in life, even up until now are all accumulation of the decisions and choices that I made in the mindset that I had behind those choices. So I have to accept everything I have at this moment. If we don't have what we have at this moment, 
we got to make different choices. Because where we end up, it's like uh, like Jim Quedit, Jim Quick said this like really well. He's like, life is the C between the B and the D, like the choices we make between birth and death. And those choices essentially like create that life that we have. So if we want to have more wealth, we, we got to make different choices. We got to be more open. We got to like learn more. Um, and third, consistency in work. Like the work is not something you, we can like, there's no way to work around the work. <laughs> you know, like you got to You got to do the work. I think that's oftentimes one of the hardest thing, like, and even more so the consistency of the work, like not thinking, okay, like, it's, it's a whole lifestyle change. It's like getting healthy. Like you don't eat one carrot and say, oh, I'm good for a week. No, it's, it's a lifestyle change. <laughs> like you got to start living healthy. You got to start living wealthy and really like embodying that person and like realizing like, okay, you have to become that person to draw wealth to you. You know, we had a conversation about this the other day, like really becoming that person. Cause when you are that person, it just, it's like the law of attraction it just comes. But if we're not having those things right now, it's because we're not that person yet. doesn't mean we can't be that person, but we're not that person yet. So we got to do the work. We got to have consistency and have that patience because it's built over the long term. It is built over the long term. Rome wasn't built in a day, huh? A hundred percent. Okay. So give me the three. I got the work because you can't work around the work. I love that. I've never heard that before. You can't work around the work. Give me the other two. Uh, You can't work on the work. Be humble and be coachable. And also understand like the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. Like we got to change. If we're not getting the results that we want, we got to change the things that we're doing. And you got to try something new. And the thing you may try may not be it, but at least you know what didn't work. Like that's what, how like a lot of scientists experiments will go. It's like, all right, like let's figure out what doesn't work so we can narrow down our options to what does work. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, this guy is saying I got to be open to changing the way that I've done things because it's not going to get me what I want. Mm -hmm. I can't just continue the old patterns and be on autopilot. We call that taking the red pill, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. And then I got to be willing to do the work. And the way I characterize the work is being willing to do whatever it takes for however long it takes until you get the outcome that you desire. And mm-hmm. so you, you've got this formula, kind of this recipe that you're using to change your life, but it's also changing the lives of the folks that you serve, right? Absolutely. Okay, and so when somebody comes to you and they might not have the best mindset around money in the energy that that currency is, like mm-hmm. how do you help them move from that space of where they are, where they may have some anxiety, maybe a little bit of shame mm-hmm. about it, to that new space where they're wealthy and healthy? Because I think that's what, those are the two words that you use that I think you're kind of hoping or trying to lead or guide them to from, you know, their current station in life. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So the first thing I, I did realize is, all right, they got to want it more than I want it for them. I can't drag them across the finish line. 
Like you can't play in the championship and be, you know, passive about it. You can't, you can't win and be your best self unless you truly want those things. So identifying the people that truly want them and are truly willing to do the work, that's one piece. But when I know that's there, I understand, all right, why, why do you want this? Like, what, what is it that you actually want? Like, what are your desires? What are your goals? And like, what does that mean to you? And then I go through and focus on, all right, what does it look like if you don't have that? Oh, so there's a consequence for the thing. It's not all pleasure. There, there might be some pain associated with not actually doing it. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause we got, there's always two sides, you know, if we're either leaning towards or really against. And I believe that focusing on that because I'm, I'm going to get into just like, but yeah. So focusing on that consequence, what does it look like if you don't have it? You know, is it truly like, is it painful enough for you? Do you just kind of want these things? Or are you really willing to do the work? Because if you truly want these things, then we can go to that next step and say, all right, let's look at your actions and your goals. Are they aligned? You know, if we're telling ourselves that we want to be a, you know, NFL player, but we're eating chips and sitting on the couch, we're not aligning with the goals. It's just, it's not going to happen. You're not going to wake up one day with that six pack. You're not going to wake up one day if that, you know, five, six, seven million dollars. Like it just doesn't just happen. And we have to intentionally align because like, and this is why I say wealth is easy because it's really just align the habits, align the character, align the goals. I, you know, there's some things that happen in life. We just can't control. I understand that, but like really embodying and becoming that person through the habits in our lifestyle that will then perpetuate, you know, everything else and aligning our actions with our goals. Cause I, you know, myself included, I feel like so many times, like I, I often had a desire. I had something, but I just, I wasn't doing the right actions. I would tell myself I want something and do the complete opposite. <laughs> and so many people live in that life and then wonder why, they're not lucky enough or they weren't, didn't have, weren't chosen to have this thing or things along those lines. But it's like, all right, if you're, you know, in a relationship and someone is with you and they're not loving you, they don't listen to you, they yell at you all the time and all those things like that, but they tell you want a happy relationship. Well, one if you don't get a counselor, you should probably break up with them. But those actions are not aligned with those goals. So like either one, you need to change those actions or you need to realize I need to change my goals. Like that may just be something like maybe it's just not something you really want. And I think it's even better to accept that and say, hey, like that's not something I want than continue to live inauthentically. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? 
hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay. So they're walking on this journey with you. You're showing them the consequences of not changing their actions after Mm -hmm. you identify that they're out of alignment. And you're also telling them the reward, but you, you, you bring up a really important point. You know, one of my friends used to say, it's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to sacrifice X, but you need to sacrifice X and Y to get the outcome, then you're never going to have the outcome. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Right. Because a lot of us want to negotiate. We want to barter with the price of admission to our dreams, but nobody adjusts. There is no change in the fee. The fee is the fee and you have to be okay with that fee. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And so then we either adjust the goal down because the fee is too much, or we decide mm-hmm. that we don't deserve that for ourselves. And then we were, when we get to the end, we settled and we realize, oh, I, I really wanted the other thing. I, I didn't want what I settled for. And so I, I just think that's a really interesting point because we can count the money, but there's so many other things that we want in our life, especially if we want a life of abundance that we might not be able to put a number on or count it. But we do know for a fact that we did not do all that we were supposed to do in order to get that outcome. So I appreciate you bringing that to light, man. I think you might have already touched on this, but I want to go there because, you know, once you're having you know a lot of success, you know, people think there was no real struggle. And you opened up with a pretty, I'll call it bleak story, right? You You talked about being in the hospital and huge hospital bills and so on. So when you were in the hospital with your jaws wired shut, was that the rock bottom for you or was there another space? That was a second of three rock bottoms, actually. (laughs) So I actually, I had multiple rock bottoms in life that really had a mind shift change for me. So I'd say the first one, the first one was I, when I was 18, I was uh, moving out of my house and my dad had bipolar. So he gets, you know, kind of into manic rages and things. So we'd, you know, have arguments and he was pretty disappointed in me based off how I was living my life. I was just smoking weed and drinking and not doing anything that, not living to the capacity that he knew I could live. And so we got into this huge argument and he told me to kill myself because my life is worthless. And so that was like the first, and I, I carried that for so long. That was like the first like hit that I had that really, you know, threw me, uh, threw me for a whirlwind. Second, yeah, the, the jaw getting broken. Like I, I realized at that point that, yeah, I had to change my habits. I had to start living in my purpose. And if I'm going to continue doing the same things, it's, it may not, it may be another jaw broken. It may be something else, but it's just going to continue to be hurt and pain and suffering. And me just hoping and wishing, wow, why isn't life different? And so after that, that's like, I feel like I just started this, it started this fire in me to like work. And I felt like I was, I had to catch up. Like all my friends at that point, had like almost gotten close to graduating college and doing different things. And I just was like, wow, 
I've been drinking and smoking for the last three, four years. And that gave me a true point to just truly reflect on the past and decide, okay, I'm going to start making the future I want instead of living in the past. And then third was when I actually started working at Northwestern Reach, my firm, and I went through this period because actually when I first started, my father was unfortunately diagnosed with terminal cancer and it was, it was difficult. Like I, I had to continue to work, try to start a business while he was visiting, like while I was visiting chemotherapy appointments and doing different things like that. And about six months in, he ended up passing away. And like it, I mean, it was difficult. Like I had so many different things going up in life at that point. And on top of that, I also almost lost my job as well. I, I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't like um, doing enough work. So I actually had a big conversation with my director and he's like, hey, like, should I still really be here? And so that for me was like, I just started to think of like all the different things that I went through. There's no way this is the end. I'm not going to sit here and go back to, you know, working a job that I, I don't enjoy, things like that. So that was a huge turning point for me to really kick in gear and actually start working and stop making excuses for myself and just doing the work, putting my head down. I had to make sacrifices, but actually just doing the work. And of course, my amazing coach as well <laughs> was there too to kind of help encourage me and really allow me to see more of what I could have. Yeah, those were, I'd say, the three three big rock bottoms for me okay and so why not just be a victim like why why fight out of those why swim from the bottom of the pool back to the surface why not just give up because the first one you talked about i think would have taken most people i'm stubborn i'm i'm real (laughs) i'm really stubborn but so this focusing on on the victim i said like i you know, I lived in that for so long and I wanted, I think we all want more. I think we all desire to have more, desire to have, you know, a good family, a good career, a good community. And I realized like just continuing to blame everyone else for all the things that were happening was not going to get me there. Like continuing to like, cause being a victim, it just take it just took away my power. Like I, I just felt like I had no choices. I just was, life was just coming at me. I, I didn't have any type of plan and have any type of way to react to it. I and mean, actually, this kind of comes back from Stephen Covey's book, but like focusing on my circle of influence and my circle of concern, and starting to only concern myself with things that I could influence. And when I started to live by that. I realized that there's a lot of things that I do actually have a pretty big influence on. Like, you know, what time I wake up, if I'm working on my body, if I'm reading, if I'm like learning and starting to envelop myself in all that different content and also starting to focus on the things I could control. I realized that like, I have the power to change so much. Why not? <laughs> like, it's like, I know I, I could get to, I, I think of it like I, I use, I think into the future a lot. And I think about like, all right, I can live to 85, 90, continue to be in this victim mindset, continue to do the things I do. And I'm going to look back. I'm going to be like, 
why didn't I take any opportunities? I could have had a much better life. And I would just regret so many of the decisions that I made knowing I could have done something differently. And so many people get to that point and are there. Am I going to just now know the destination? And, you know, it's like, there's this thing I read. It's like some people walk across the truth and then see it and then willfully go along the way. Like they never, you know, crossed it at all. And I was like, I saw the truth. I saw what was there. I can't just act like I didn't see it. <laughs> I can't, I can't just act like I'm not lighting down this road. And I was like, no, I got to take this other road. Like I know where this goes and I'm not going to live this life. Like I chose to live, you know, a different life. And I think oftentimes we just, we don't always accept the consequences of the things we're doing. We just, we feel like it's for some way or for some reason going to lead to something different, but it's like, we have to accept each consequence of all the decisions we make and where it's leading to. I think also putting the thought to actually take a look into the future can be a little, you know, try sometimes, especially depending where you are in life, but take a look and say, all right, where is this leading to? And do I accept that? If you do accept it, yeah. You know, but if you don't accept it, something's going to have to change. Something's going to have to change. That's been a recurring message throughout this episode of choice and being able to change and doing something different. And I can keep going down the list, but that's amazing. So you fight back from those things. You go into this new career, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to be intimidated because <laughs> yeah. there's a bunch of people there and you're like, well, I've never had money, but I'm going to be sitting down in front of these folks. So like, what was your biggest fear going into the new role? Because I mean, it's a dramatic change from what you were doing before. Yeah, my... It was a massive shift. And my biggest fear was not being able to truly serve people and not, I didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have, I didn't, when I first started, I felt like I didn't have the competency, didn't have the experience. And so all that stuff just kind of played into that self-doubt. I was like, is this something that I can actually become good at? Can I actually make a, you know, a career out of this? Do I have it in me in order to become the person that can be successful at this? So it was like, I kind of like, I, I knew that I had the hard work. That was one thing. Like I was like, all right, I could, I could work hard, but like, am I going to learn the right things? Am I going to, Cause I had to grow a lot. Like I having difficult conversations, that was something I, I wasn't, you know, used to. I realized I grew so much from myself emotionally from having conversations with people and the, the competence, the educational portions, that all just came as time went on. I think the biggest fear was just like the fear of whether or not I could actually really do it. And that was something that was just always in the back of my mind. Like, am I going to be successful at this? Like taking a huge risk. I'm not, I have to build a business. Like, will I be all right? So that, those are some of the biggest fears that's coming into my mind. And also I had a huge fear of judgment as well. 
that was that was something that was pretty hard for me to like overcome as well. Like, because oftentimes when we start something new, especially if it's an entrepreneurial invest entrepreneurial endeavor or just like doing something we haven't done before, a lot of people around us may not initially encourage us. And they may even discourage us. And getting through that to see and continue on the path that we're walking down can be very difficult, especially if those people have been there, you know, at other times in life. But I realized that like, I, I have to continue to live and by what I know is authentically myself, again, to not go back to that period of regret that I'd face, you know, 76 at 80, 90 years old. Like I have to continue to live in what I believe is to be the thing that I am doing that's walking my purpose and not try and live whatever someone else's narrative of the story is for me. Like not try and live in that space where someone else, oh, you should do this, you should do this, which is what I was doing for many years of my life. Like I was just going based off where other people told me I should go. And when was it or what was it kind of that red pill moment for you? You're like, no, I got a choice. I get to decide. Was Can you remember that day or that decision that you're like, different now? Yeah. So uh, let me, let me think back to this. So I would say red pill moment for me. <laughs> I want to say I was getting there, but I, I truly realized it when I got the announcement that I was in the running for rookie of the year. I feel like that was for me, like I was slowly getting there, kind of going through the ups and downs. But when I heard that, to me, that was a sign. I was like, wow, like I actually can build a life that I want. Like all these things are possible. And it's just continuing to do the work, continuing to grow, continuing to be in the space on the path I'm on. And I can live in the dream that I want. And it's like, I have everything I need to do it. I feel like before then, like I was like, kind of just going by, like, I felt like I was, you know, doing well in things. But when I heard that, like, wow, I'm one of the top advisors in the state, like that to me, it was mind blowing, but I felt at that moment, I truly started to accept the greatness. So it was still external. So somebody recognized, well, it was somebody measured your performance against your peers and told you, Hey, you're standing out. Is that right? Yeah, that was it. I like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to kind of dive back in deep into that. That was it. But it was also my awesome coach as well. And seeing it or him seeing it in me and me starting to truly accept and believe it. Got to. You guys don't know my awesome coach is Jerome. <laughs> he got to believe it. He got to believe it, man. <laughs> so you believed. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I was listening to. I was listening to The Rock on my run this morning, and he was talking about a quote from Mickey Johnson that basically said, your perception kind of impacts the way that you work, right? Mm -hmm. And you can borrow somebody else's confidence in you mm -hmm. in order to fuel you until you actually believe in yourself. And so this concept of doing the work prior to getting the outcome is, is really an interesting one that you you put in front of us. So, okay. <laughs> what are you most grateful for? 
I, I want to answer that. I want to dive back into doing the work before we're uh, before we're, we have that outcome because I think that was a huge part of the journey that like really perpetuated me. Like for me, at least, and I feel like for many people, that belief in ourselves oftentimes isn't just there immediately, and it takes time in order to get that. Like it takes time. It takes results in order to you know, for many people to have that belief, to have that confidence, but we have to do the work and become the person in order to actually get there. Like it's not, I didn't just wake up and have the confidence, wake up and have the, be that person. Like it was doing, it was just having the faith (laughs) that what I was doing, like having the faith that I was doing the right things and believing in that process in order to get there. It's like when you start working out, like like, man, like I don't have a six pack yet. And I, you know, I'm super sore from yesterday's workout, but you have to continue to believe in that work in order to get to that spot. And it never happens immediately. It's like, it's a process. It takes time. It takes patience, but continuing and having that consistently really gets us there. What am I most grateful for? I would say more than anything else I'm grateful for the relationships that I have and the people that are in my life. I I feel like for many years, I was living in a space, especially like when I started like picking up on like the self-development and all that stuff that I was just living in this space. And I had this mindset that like no one around me really had. And I was always really hard to feel connected to people because I just had this vision and had this like place I wanted to go, but it's like no one else is real around. So there's no one to talk about it with and things along those lines. And what this, like the decisions that I've made have brought me here. What that's also does is brought people around me, like people like yourself, like my director, like new friends, clients, like all these people that I truly feel like a real connection to, and I can be, you know, they're like delivering value to me in my relationship. I'm delivering value to them. Like it's, and it feels so much more alive. Like I felt like I'm like so many of my relationships in the past just weren't authentic. Like they were just there and they were just like almost placeholders. Cause I, couldn't really say anything and not, not, you know, and like, it's just like, I was there. Like, I just didn't really feel, I never really felt connected in so many ways, but the people that are in my life now and the people that are coming to my life as time goes on, I truly feel like those are the most authentic and real connections I've ever had. And it's amazing to watch those people grow and encourage them and, you know, see them live out their lives and have that reciprocity as well to know that they want me in their lives, you know? So it's pretty awesome. And the money is pretty great as well. <laughs> Can't forget about that. But Well, I think you've made it pretty clear. Like the money's just a tool that creates options, right? And so yeah. if you don't have capacity, then it limits what you can actually do. Yeah. You're most grateful for your relationships. I I think a lot of people downplay the relationships or they just wonder, hey, what can the relationship do for me? You're saying, no, I'm excited about mutually beneficial relationships Mm -hmm. and the ability to just be me in that space 
and know that I'm accepted, but also encouraged to strive to become my best self because I haven't arrived mm-hmm. yet. That's a, a very mature perspective. And I think most people don't ever actually get there. So, you know, we, we take that question and then I pivot and I ask you, you know, what dream are you most focused on catching next? The dream that I'm focused on catching next. I'd say the biggest dream that I'm focused on catching next is I want to create over the next five years. I want to help create 10 millionaires over the next five years. I want to continue to live in my purpose, live in authenticity and start a family in the next five years, start living in my dream, which I'm doing now, but really starting to have build my tribe, starting to create more people around me in addition to the ones I already have that are, you know, driven, that have purpose. Because I I just, one of the things I truly just love is investing in other people. Like I love seeing other people grow. So continue to have awesome people. I mean, truly living intentional, like really focused on intention. So it's interesting. You, You brought up the desire to invest in other people. And you've got a podcast. What's it called? Thriving Through Trauma. Thriving Through Trauma. And so, you know, podcast listeners listen to podcasts. So folks hop over to iTunes and grab that or whatever your favorite platform is. Thriving Through Trauma. Why'd you want to start that as a podcast? Yeah. Great question. So I realized, especially over the course of the year, you know, all the work that I had to do in order to get here was so necessary in so many ways. Now I feel as though that the outcome that I had would have been nearly impossible, if not impossible, if I did not do that work. The work on focusing on where I need to heal from the trauma that I experienced. And I believe that everyone has trauma everyone goes through different things like that has a huge impact on them. So my main mission for starting this podcast is to help people improve spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you know, physically and financially. And doing that through one, normalizing the conversation around trauma. We don't never talk about it. We don't talk about the impacts it has. we, we act like it's this taboo conversation and we just avoid it, but it's like the elephant in the room everyone goes through these things. We need to start normalizing this conversation. And then second, I want to humanize great people around us. I feel as though oftentimes we see awesome people, whether it be business owners, athletes, actors, and we're like, wow, like they're just lucky. They're just, we're blessed. They have all the right things. But oftentimes a lot of these people have gone through immense struggles themselves. And you know, what doesn't kill you makes us stronger. And they've gained the strength and the courage to then conquer something else great. And I feel though everyone has greatness inside of them that they can get to, but it requires us to conquer what's holding us back internally and break through that glass ceiling. Um, and third, to really give people solutions and strategies. I believe that trauma is one of the things that, you know, was able to bring, you know, as close when we're able to relate on the things that have caused us pain in life. 
So giving people solutions and strategies to overcome this again and to step into their greatness. Outstanding, man. I think that's a worthy pursuit for sure. So Kofi, I just want to throw a little bit of love on your brother and get it on the recording, man. You are the epitome of a dream catcher. I think today you live a life that you couldn't have solved for yourself two years ago. And I just smile when I realize in some months you make more money than you made over the course of a year. That for me is just one of the things that becomes baffling as we begin to unlock the possibilities by harnessing our capabilities. So, you know, you're a fighter, man. You've been through so much. You've you've overcome things that a lot of people I think would have just folded up and gave up. And you said, no, there's more for me. And I'm willing to go out and seek help to help me go to that new level. And I'm willing to do the work instead of figure out how not to do it in order to get the things that I am saying that I want most in my life. So Brother, I just want to affirm you and let you know there's still so much more for you. We got some big goals for 2022. You're looking at a pretty cool car right now, which really excites me because I'm a car guy. And uh, (laughs) I can't wait to do a car rally or something with you in the near future. So the final question, and one I try to end this episode with every time is, what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? The one thing that I'd love for the listeners to take away in this episode, that would be, we can all achieve greatness and we can all step into our greatness, but we have to make the choice to do it. And we not just make the choice to do it, but also make the choice to do the work that it takes to get there. And I believe that's an opportunity that's available to every single one of us but we have to seriously sit down, be with ourselves and make that decision and make a commitment to that decision as well. Make a commitment to the decision. Guys, gentlemen, ladies, you heard it from the man himself, Kofi Thompson, Rookie of the Year for the state of Virginia. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thank you. To, To the listeners, the tribe is with you. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.